Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to Weekday Chat. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about just the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Uh, if it actually happened, if so, why it is the most important thing to ever happen, and why it matters for your life, and if it did not happen, why you should just get on with your life and stop being a Christian. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. Today's podcast comes from our midweek social media broadcast called Weekday Chat. You can tune in live with us on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Enjoy today's podcast. Uh, well, this last week was Easter week. It was Holy Week where we remember the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Steve preached a great message for us on Sunday from John chapter 9. It's not typically an Easter text. It's the story of Jesus healing this blind man, and he has this great line of, I once was blind, but now I yes. see, and uh, I'm the one who gave Steve that text for you Easter. Did. I but... said, why are you giving me the blind man for resurrection Sunday? Ah, <laughs> oh, you can do it. I once was blind, now I can see, right? And, and I was right. He did a good job. He did a great job. And I loved it because you, you took the resurrection to a little bit more of a more personal mm-hmm. angle than we sometimes get uh, that that this really is this resurrection moment for us. Not not just right. uh, you know that it's not just Jesus raising, but Jesus does raise so that He can raise us, and we can all, as we follow Jesus, say, "I was blind, but now I see." And yeah. I was grateful for that. But today, for weekday chat, we do want to talk about some more of the historical reality of what happened yes. in Holy Week two thousand years ago, um, because Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen that if Jesus is not raised from the dead, if this did not actually truly historically happen, if it's just a fairy tale or a feel-good story, then we are, of all people, most to be pitied that our faith is absolutely pointless, and you really should just get on with your life. Because if the resurrection is not real, then all of this is meaningless. So, we have to talk about the reality of the death and resurrection. So, Steve, let's just talk with the, about the crucifixion first, because Jesus has to die before he can be raised. Right. So, why did Jesus have to die? Why couldn't we just continue with the sacrificial system that, that we were yes. doing? Why did yes. Jesus have to come and die? It's a great question. People are always asking that. I don't know if I've ever met a person who's an unbeliever that didn't ask that question. It's a, it's a right question to ask. Rooted in us and in, in whole human existence is this cry for redemption. We know about redemption. We know that our whole system of of human existence, if something is done that's wrong deep within us, somebody needs to pay for this. Somebody needs to do something about it. We see it in movies. We read it in novels. And that's because we are made in God's image. That sense that something needs to be done is a reflection of, of the cosmic picture of God's holiness, his greatness, his supremacy. And when we fail him, there is a, a price needs to be paid. That's mm-hmm. why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There is a price that has to be paid. God, in preparing us for the cross, put in place a whole sacrificial system. In fact, God longs and we'll touch on this in a couple of weeks, but God longs to be present with his people. And so mm-hmm. the tabernacle and the temple always was this reminder, God wants to be with his people, yet we couldn't go in. We couldn't get to that, the real core of who God is. And yeah. so animals had to be sacrificed to go in, so the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And finally, you know, when the Bible says that that was not sufficient, it had to be a perfect sacrifice, a personal sacrifice, mm-hmm. a human being. God became flesh to live among us. So Jesus is not simply another martyr. There have been lots of martyrs for different causes in the world. 
But this was a sinless sacrifice. Some, somebody for once for all could satisfy the redemption that's demanded by a holy God mm-hmm. so that we could enter in a relationship with him. Absolutely. That's the meaning of the cross. Yeah. And until we understand that, the cry for redemption, that, that, that once we see it on this cosmic universal level, universal level, then it begins to make sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but we also have to take that by faith, you know, which is hard for people to do. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people who, who talk about, you know, well, why can't God just forgive us? Like, why does it have to be so bloody, so violent, you know? And, and but ultimately, I think we all know this intuitively. Forgiveness always costs something. Always. It is never free. Right. And uh, ultimately, we, we want God to be a God of justice, yes. right? We would not like it if our country operated on the system of, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you murdered somebody? Well, just promise not to do it again. Right. And, and you'll go. We, we all know intuitively that's not justice, that a price has to be paid. In fact, we get angry when justice hasn't been carried out. Absolutely. So, so right. ultimately, even though we are uncomfortable talking about the wrath of God, Often we we need God to be a God of wrath and justice. The problem with God being a God of wrath and justice is that the sin that we want Him to judge ultimately runs through every human heart. Right. That if we want Him to judge any sin, He has to therefore judge my sin as well. Right. Which is why anytime a little kid wants to get baptized, I always work with them through Romans chapter six verse twenty three, which says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We have to understand that the wage, what we have earned through our sin, is death. Right. That if, if God is the giver of all life, and if our sin is therefore rebellion against him, we have cut ourselves off from life and therefore deserve death. Something has to die for me to be restored to God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus exactly. our Lord. So, Romans says that, that in the cross, God was both just and justifier of those who believe. God is just in the sense that he pays, he, he, he exacts the wage of death that is required for right. our sin. He upholds the justice of the universe, but he is also justifier in that he is the one who takes the death on exactly. our behalf and gives us the gift of And it's so violent and heinous mm-hmm. because it speaks to the heinous nature of sin itself. Absolutely. If it's not... If it's not as extreme as it is on the cross, then my sin isn't that extreme. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's this tricky scene then after after Jesus does raise from the dead on Sunday yeah. morning that he's still around on earth for about 40 days before he ascends into heaven. And he appears to some of his friends and his followers. And a lot of the time they like don't recognize him at first. Mary thinks he's the gardener and these disciples yeah. walking along the Emmaus Road think he's just this random traveler. Yeah. What's the deal with that, Steve? Is it that yeah. Jesus looks different? Did he disguise yeah. himself? Is it just that they weren't expecting? Him, what's the deal with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I've got a couple of thoughts. You know, the, the Emmaus, the two on the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and the other disciple, it says they were kept from recognizing mm-hmm. him. Now, were they kept? Was that something supernaturally done? Mm-hmm. Or the question is, was it because of their own faithlessness they were kept from recognizing him? Yeah. It could be either thing. I think maybe there could be just a glimpse of our eternal appearance as well. Mm-hmm. That I've all, I, always, I have no reason to believe we will not know each other in heaven. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm going to know you in heaven, maybe by, by how I know you more now, more than just in the flesh, I know you on a heart level, mm-hmm. an intimate level inside. And maybe that's how we're going to know each other in heaven. Yeah. It's not necessarily the physical part that we identify each other now, it's how we're known in a more deeper way. I love that thought. I think that with Jesus, maybe his physical appearance 
wasn't exactly what it was, yeah. but it didn't take much. Yeah. Just a word for them to know, oh, this is the Lord. Yeah. You know? I, I, I keep going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which if you want to understand the resurrection, just meditate on that text all week yeah, long. Yeah, Holy yeah, smoke. Sure. And Paul does talk about how when, when Jesus is raised, he has a glorified body, and, and that that glorified body is like a down payment on our glorified bodies. Yes. And so like, like what you're saying, that this is a hint of what we will be. Right. In heaven, we're going to have actual bodies. We're not just going to be right. you know, spirits floating around on, on clouds, and, but they're going to be bodies that are finally free from sin, free from the corruption of the fall. We're not going to get wrinkles and sags and all those kinds of things. And so it's interesting. We don't, we don't know because after Jesus raises from the dead in this 40-day period, we see him do some normal human things, like he, right. he eats some fish, and right. he actually still has scars, scars. from where he was crucified, right. and yet he does some amazing things like goes through walls and ascends into heaven, and he isn't like quite recognizable. We've all been making fun of Steve this week because doesn't he look good? Look at his tan. He, he just spent a week on the beach. He's, he's our little beach boy. <laughs> but it, it's kind of like that. It's like you're you, but there, man, there's just something yes. different, right. and, and right. that's going to be us as well, which is just fun to think about. It's just going to be wonderful even to talk about that when we're finally there with him and with each other, you know, mm-hmm. reviewing all this and the foolish thoughts we had yeah. <laughs> yes. and how much better it's going to be. If this is what we ascertain in the flesh, how much richer it's going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, Luke, also, I mean, there there. There's always this conversation about how can we be sure, how can we know, what is the real evidence for the resurrection? Our faith is grounded in evidence. Mm-hmm. It's not just wishful thinking. So talk yeah. about that evidence level for the resurrection. Yeah, this is this is the core of everything for me, and this was instrumental in my own conversion. Because if, if Jesus is alive, then none of those peripheral issues about you know dinosaurs or literal six day creation or all those things like that it, that can all work itself out. Yes. This is the issue. Did Jesus actually physically raise from the dead? If so, everything else can fall in line after that. So as we're thinking through this issue of whether the resurrection actually happened, there are 10 indisputable facts, whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, there are 10 indisputable facts that we have to reckon with that both secular and religious historians acknowledge. And here are those 10 facts that any one of our solutions has to acknowledge. The first fact is this, Jesus Christ actually lived and that he actually died. Basically, nobody at this point disputes that Jesus was a historical figure who actually died on a cross. The Romans were good at what they did. They made sure people were actually dead when they came down from the cross. So Jesus actually died, fact number one. Fact number two, the tomb was actually empty. Nobody ever found Jesus' body. It would have been super easy to just go to the tomb and drag Jesus' body out and squelch this movement. But nobody found Jesus' body. Fact number three, Christianity began in the very city where Jesus died and was buried. That's remarkable. If this was based on a lie, they should have started it somewhere else where it would have been much more difficult to drag out evidence against it. Fact number four, there were many other messianic movements of people who claimed to be the Messiah, and yet every single one of those movements was eventually squelched out when that Messiah was killed or done away with. This one was different. Why did this movement carry on after their Messiah figure was killed? Fact number five, The disciples drastically changed between Good Friday and the day of Pentecost. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were cowering alone in an upper room, locked the doors for fear that they were going to be the next one crucified. And then just a few days later, all of a sudden, they're out on the streets preaching boldly to the very same people who killed Jesus. What happened to bring about that transformation? Fact number six, the disciples then went on to die for those beliefs. Did they die for a lie that they made up? Fact number seven, the disciples looked pretty bad in the gospel accounts of Good Friday and, and Easter. If they were making this up, they probably would have made themselves look better than the gospels the make heroic. them look. Yes. yes. Fact number eight, 
Uh, the testimony of women was not considered reliable in first century Palestine, and yet the first uh, witnesses to the resurrection that we have are women. If they were making this up, they would not have made women the witnesses, and yes. yet God did, which I love. Fact number nine, uh, the four Gospels actually slightly differ in how they tell the resurrection story. If this was a lie, they probably would have made it a lot more cut and dry, and yet we actually do have some some tensions in the various viewpoints that of how they tell the crucifixion and the resurrection story, which actually historians and, and people who who uh, specialize in literature will tell you that that is a testament to the truthfulness of these accounts. And then the final text or fact that we have to deal with is that Roman soldiers were punished and even executed if prisoners escaped on their watch. They would not have just let Jesus waltz out of the tomb. That that didn't happen. Yeah. So. Now, any explanation that we come up with for the events of, of that holy weekend um, have to account with all ten of those facts, whether you're a believer or not. So here are some of the various theories that have been proposed. Uh, number one, uh, some people say that this was just a legend, that the disciples made this up. But number one, what would be their motive for that? It ended up just getting them killed. And number two, if it were just a legend, it would have been really easy to drag out some evidence against it there in Jerusalem. Uh, some people talk about what's called the swoon theory, uh, that Jesus, when he came down off of the cross, he wasn't actually dead, that he just right. kind of like passed out. Uh, that he went into a coma. But still, the Romans, number one, did not let that kind of thing happen. They pierced his side, blood and water came out. And still, if, if, if he had been laying in a tomb for three days after being crucified, even if he just was in a coma, there's no way he could push that rock open and get past those right. Roman soldiers. Plus you warm a body up. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Other people say the disciples stole the body, um, but the disciples were they were scaredy cats. They were hiding from the Jews. Uh, th- th- something happened to transform them into these bold missionaries. They wouldn't die for something that they knew was a lie. Um, others say that grave robbers took the body. Uh, that's interesting, but, but really that doesn't make any sense because uh, Jesus was broke. He was stinky. There was no reason for them to rob him. Plus, how would they get past the Roman guards to steal the body? That kind of thing just didn't happen in ancient Rome. Um, some say that the Romans or the Jewish authorities took the body, but there's really no motive for that. They had every reason to keep the body in the grave um, to squelch that uh, movement. Some people say that the women went to the wrong tomb, but if that's the case, then to disprove this movement, it would have been just as simple as going to the right tomb and showing them the body. Um, Others people say that uh, when Jesus appeared to 500 people at at one time, like the Apostle Paul tells us that he did in this 40-day period, that it was just a mass hallucination, that they were just hallucinating that they've seen Jesus, and yet modern science has proven that uh, uh, mass hallucinations don't happen where everybody's hallucinating the same Same thing thing, and have a unified witness. So all of these theories that people propose for the events of that weekend, they just fail to answer the evidence. And for me, I have come to a deeply settled conclusion that the only logical explanation for what happened that day is that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead. And if that is true, then he's worthy of our allegiance. Yes, that's so helpful, Luke. Everything you said is so very helpful. And I even go back and and write all these down so you're ready uh, to give a defense for the faith, right? The whole Mediterranean world was turned upside down. In fact, by 300 A.D., half the urban centers were converted to Christ. Mm -hmm. And if this had been a lie, I mean, it it would have folded. It Mm -hmm. it would have all gone down. So I hope you are strengthening your faith uh, this resurrection season and get stronger all the time and bolder. The the world needs this message. Mm -hmm. And uh, our eyes can be open. We can live with resurrection eyes, as we learned Sunday. And he changes everything about us and gives us hope and uh, gives us a a great way to live. Sunday, I hope you can be with us either online or in person. It was great to have a number of people back this week. And as soon as you're comfortable, please uh, hustle back. It was so good to see a lot of people returning this past this past Sunday. Austin Ganyo is our mission partner in 
uh, and Amanda in Ghana, and he'll be uh, sharing, and he's always full of joy mm-hmm. and vitality. I know we're going to be blessed uh, this Sunday. So God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.